0: Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode, the debut episode of College Basketball Breakdown. I'm your host, Evan Kaufman. Glad to be here. Glad that you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm a high school senior from Knoxville, Tennessee, and this show is obviously going to be about college basketball. It's going to be about everything pertaining to the world of college basketball, everything that's happening in and around the world of college basketball. And I figured what a better, there, there's not a better time to start this than the offseason, which is what we're going through right now. Uh, a few weeks ago, we crowned our champion, the Yukon Huskies. I'll get to them in a minute. Uh, currently, we are dealing with the massive turnover of the coaching carousel and the pervasive ever-growing transfer portal that some teams are taking advantage of some teams are getting hurt by we're gonna look into that in this episode but like i said the show is gonna be going throughout the season, a few times a week one to two times a week uh that frequency is gonna be ramped up as we close in on the season in the later months of the year october november whenever we get to start actually looking forward to college basketball because right now it's kind of like a pie in the sky that we're not going to be able to experience for a long while because it just ended we were spoiled with that great tournament we had the ratings the ratings for the final forward an all-time low probably because of the definitely because of the lowest the lower lower seeds that were playing in it unlike last year when we had villanova duke unc all the blue bloods this year it was just the complete opposite there was a bunch of chaos at the beginning uh exemplified by really topped off by a purdue's loss to fdu and i don't I don't know who could have foreseen that coming. Purdue was a lot of people's champions. National Player of the Year. That that game was something to watch. <laughs> Busted a lot of it. About everyone's bracket. There were only there were a very small number of people who picked that Final Four. Kudos to them. But anyway, the frequency of these episodes will ramp back up as we get closer to the season. But right now we're doing the off-season stuff. Uh, the shows will look different depending on what time of year. It's being, I'm talking to you guys in, for example, I'm the Transfer Portal stuff right now. But, uh, Transfer Portal right now, the coaching carousel, everything pertaining to that. And then, during the season, we're gonna have uh, previews, predictions, and analysis. Analysis of games that have happened. Predictions for games yet to come, which could be rocky. The sport's very hard to predict. And, uh, previews for games... Some high profile games, some non high profile games, the major conference games. Uh, The conferences are going to look different this year with the realignment. Um, For example, Houston going to the Big 12. This specific episode, however, is going to be profiling most of the athletes that are still in the transfer portal and those who have got scooped up by their new homes come august and uh, we're gonna look at those who have committed and those who have not committed those who have not committed could still shape the landscape of the college basketball universe namely hunter dickinson but we'll get to him later well, like I said, I'd be remiss if I did not talk about the national champions this year, the UConn Huskies. What a team. What a dominant run. Some would say that their path got... Their path was probably easier than it should have been. For example, Arkansas beating Kansas. Kansas would have put up much more of a fight. Might have even... I don't know about knock them out there, because UConn, deserving champions. Great team. But definitely would have put up more of a fight than Arkansas. That was a 23-point game. Gonzaga, people were expecting that to be a game. Blew them out by 27. What a dominant tournament run. They won by an average of 20 over their six games. And this, in my opinion, definitely makes them a blue blood. Um, they have five championships since 2000. Recently, they are most definitely blue bloods, new bloods. Uh, you think about the blue bloods, that team, Sonogo, Jackson, Hawkins, they... It was just a perfect team dynamic. They had Newton running the point, shifty guard, he could shoot, uh... Jordan Hawkins, one of the best shot makers we've seen in the tournament and on this stage in a while. Jordan Hawkins, it seemed like he was just hitting from everywhere. Even in the final four and championship games when he was sick, he was still putting up numbers. And then Sunogo, easily the most outstanding player of the tournament. He was unstoppable inside no matter who was guarding him. Nathan Mensah had nothing on him. He couldn't, couldn't defend him. Nobody could defend him. Even when he was fasting for Ramadan, he's, he's, he, uh, he declared for the draft. Uh, not sure if he will get drafted, but from his post and declaration, it seems like he's not coming back. I'm not sure where he's projected, but you would think that he wouldn't go. He's not going to go high, and I, I don't know if he'd go at all. He's not really prototypical NBA big nowadays. He's not the modern big. He he did show off the range a little bit in the beginning of that Final Four game, and he he had two in a row at the beginning of that Miami game in Miami really never came back but they are gonna look a lot different next year they have hawkins gone for good he's projected mid first round late first round Sonogo probably gone for good nahima Lean transferred newton entered the draft process uh, jackson entered the draft process Uh, I feel like Jackson, Andre Jackson, he might get drafted. And I feel like Newton will not get drafted. He is probably coming back. But uh, Jackson's up in the air. Another great storyline of the Huskies winning was Dan Hurley finally getting his Time to shine in the spotlight. He's got the Hall of Fame dad, brother with a great playing career, Bobby Hurley. Uh, yeah, he can finally get out of their shadow in a sense. He he hadn't really done done much to cement his legacy, but now, of course, he is, and he's it's, it's only up from here. He's a great coach, got his... Went to therapy to stop yelling at refs. He's gonna. He's got. He's gonna get UConn right. Uh, it's only up from here. Except this extremely talented team that they. That's gonna happen any time that you win a national championship. Those players are on the national stage, and they're all gonna wanna make more money, go to the NBA. It's every kid's dream. So that talented team is. No more, obviously, but they do have Donovan Klingon back, Alex Caraban back, Joey California back. So they have a good, they've got some good infrastructure to work with. Uh, Do not write them off for next year. I also have to mention the other Final Four teams. Uh, FAU, who expected FAU to be here? I didn't have a single bracket where they got out of the first round against Memphis. I thought Kendrick Davis would be too much for them. But no, Kendrick Davis was not too much for them. Neither was anybody else they played until until the San Diego State shot that sent them packing in the Final Four. But they, immediately after that game, their head coach, fo- he was already talking about focusing on next year. They can bring back their whole team pretty much. They can bring back their whole starting five for sure. Except for Forrest, who is a very valuable sixth man. Moving on to DSU. They have almost no one to bring back. But uh it's clear that Brian Dutcher knows what he's doing. They had the season. He's been at the helm for a while now. They had the season and COVID season. They would have been a one or two seed. It felt like they got robbed for that. This was a little redemption run, get to the national championship, run into an absolute buzzsaw of a team, but uh they've got some transfers Brian Dutcher knows what he's doing. So they will not be pushed over for next year. <coughs> Miami, they can bring they can bring everyone back except Wong has entered the draft. He was obviously great player, huge part of their team, biggest part of their team, some would argue. And Jordan Miller, he is also in the draft, so they're gonna look a lot different next year. But Larinaga had a good run, and they probably have Nigel Pack back. They probably have Norchad Omer. Uh, they they might we'll have to see. We'll have to see what they do next year. But uh, the main the underline here is that uh, all four of those teams have amazing coaches. Dusty May of FAU, amazing coach, Brian Dutcher, amazing coach, Dan Hurley, proving himself as an amazing coach, Jim Laranega, he's been around for a long time, he knows what he's doing, amazing coach, and that's what gets you, that's, that's what gets you to March, and that's what gets you through March, great coaches, just think about Izzo, I think about Izzo this year, they were a l- little seated, under-seated out, Underseated for having Izzo as your coach, I know that doesn't really factor into the seating process, but Izzo versus USC, that was easy. Izzo versus Marquette even, Izzo versus Smart, that was easy. A good coaching, good guards and experience wins you March and Michigan State's going to have a lot of that next year. But that's enough talking about last year. Let's talk about the transfers. Uh, First, we're going to go to the best transfers that have been taken so far, according to On3 Transfer Portal. Uh, The first one, number one ranked, one of two five stars, I believe, in this transfer class. Caleb Love, a 6'4 junior from North Carolina. As most of you know, he is going to Michigan next year. This year he averaged 17 4 and 3 on 38% from the field, 30% from 3, and 77 from the free throw line. He if he gets a, he shot 38% from the floor and still averaged 17 on a UNC team that horribly underperformed, but if he could get more efficient with his shooting numbers, he could Tear up at Michigan next year. Big Ten wouldn't know what, wouldn't know what hit him. Hey. he gets that up to like 45, 38, and 80. Even he's averaging 23, 24 a game per game. That's that's per game. He could play himself into all American. He could play himself into an all American easily. He's got the talent. That's why he's a five star. But uh, he's got to become more efficient. Decent numbers. And then uh, at two we've got. J.J. Starling from Notre Dame. Uh, Mike Bray's team was also a team that horribly underperformed this year. They brought back a lot this year, except for B- Blake Wesley, and uh, he was he was an integral part of the team last year. They beat Alabama in the first round, but J.J. Uh, Starling was a 6'4 freshman. He averaged 11-3-1. He was a 5-star coming out of high school. You see the potential. The freshman year numbers weren't really there. Only 11-3-1. You wouldn't think that he, that would be the number two taken transfer already, but you see the potential he's gonna go play for Syracuse a prestigious program and I think it's only up for him from for him from here. Speaking of unused potential so far, five star coming out of high school, the number three taken transfer so far, Kalel Ware, seven foot freshman. He was kind of advertised at coming out of high school as this long shot blocker who could step back and hit the three, catch lobs. He only averaged seven four one assist and one block this year on somewhat limited minutes for somebody of his talent level or projected talent level could have been but he transferred from Oregon to Indiana going to go play for Mike Woodson looking to replace Trace Jackson Davis and uh, and I think that I think he could definitely make a splash there that was a good decision uh, we're going to see. Obviously, he has tons of potential. He was... Beginning of the year, he was projected mid-first round in the NBA draft and completely played himself out of that. But some of the other teams recruiting him... Personally, I thought he would go to Arkansas. Arkansas has a kind of a lack of bigs right now. They only have... Makai Mitchell is the only true center. Probably Jalen Graham, too, but... Uh, Makai hasn't announced that he's coming back yet. They they needed a center, and he played high school basketball with Nick Smith Jr. in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was honestly surprised he went all the way up to Indiana, but that was a good pick for him, I think. And then at four, we have Jameer Nelson Jr., son of the great Jameer Nelson, going from the University of Delaware to TCU. 6'1", 200 pounds, senior, zero stars coming out of high school, rated 96 on a scale of on a scale of 100 in the on three transfer portal um with mike miles jr probably gone he's gonna have a bigger role and he's gonna make a splash in the big 10 this year big 12 my bad sorry and then at five, we've got Caliph Battle. Caliph Battle scored 18 points a game, grabbing four boards and two dishing out two assists on splits of 41% from the field, 35 from three, and 90% from the free throw line. He's taking his talents from Temple to Arkansas. I believe this is a great move. Devo Davis... Maybe here, maybe gone. With Califf Battle coming, it gives Arkansas a shooter that they desperately needed last year. It gives them a bona fide score, along with the other four uh, transfer commits for Eric Musselman. Absolutely tearing up the portal. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Caliph Battle uh, seems to be a great score. Great three-point shooter. Kind of a heat-check guy. Uh, he's He's going he's gonna to be a good fit in the SEC. He's going to be a good fit on that Arkansas team. He came off the bench for Temple in pretty much every game last year. Still average 18. So w- with Arkansas, who's a little guard heavy right now, he could come off the bench. That's what Ricky Council did last year, uh, year before last year. He was at Wichita State, six-man, won the AAC, six-man of the year, and came to Arkansas. And when Nick Smith came back, he sometimes didn't start. He would come off the bench, get like 20. He's going to be similar to that in the way in the, way that you can play him from the starting lineup from the bench it doesn't matter it doesn't affect his mental he's gonna get buckets either way at six from Tulane I love this signing for the LSU Tigers who are looking very dangerous for next year Jalen Cook six foot point guard former three star now a four star in the portal rated 95 overall out of 100 uh he averaged at Tulane last year he averaged 20 points three boards and five assists On shooting splits of (laughs) 45-35-85. Jalen Cook to LSU. I love this move. LSU was a disaster of a season. Last year, after all the Will Wade stuff came crashing down on Matt McMahon. Barely won any games in conference this year. Beat Arkansas. Beat Vanderbilt actually beat uh, South Carolina in the first round of the SEC tournament. But they are reloading. People want to come play for Matt McMahon, and they probably have more transfers yet to come. But I love this uh, initial signing of Jalen Cook. Again, 23-5, and great numbers. At seven, we have LJ Cryer from Baylor, former four-star, committing to Houston, but also testing the draft waters. The odds are he will not get drafted, and he will. He intends on playing at Houston, just going to the draft to get some feedback on what he could do better, as most of these people who are just testing the draft waters are. I think of Devo Davis from Arkansas. He's going to be doing that, along with a bunch of other people. LJ Cryer to Houston. It's a good move. (laughs) Kelvin Sampson gets his guy. Marcus Sasser leaving. He gets another scoring point guard, which LJ did very well at Baylor, along with two the two point guards he was playing with, uh, Keontae George and Adam Flagler. Last season, LJ shot 15, had 15 points a game, two rebounds, two assists on very, very good shooting splits. 44% from the field, 42% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. This dude can fill it up at the drop of a hat. At 8, we have Jesse Edwards from Syracuse. Jesse averaged 14, 10, 2, and 2 blocks last year. For the orange, and he will be going to West Virginia along with Kirk Risa, which is a very, very interesting dynamic there. They, they are currently number one in the two four seven transfer portal rankings for team wise. So they, they've got something brewing over there in West Virginia. At nine, we have Adrian Baldwin. He follows head coach of former head coach of VCU to Penn State, Mike Rhodes. Adrian Baldwin is at nine in these rankings, and lastly. At number 10, rounding out the top 10, we have Walter Clayton Jr. from Iona. I believe he shot 95-plus percent from the free-throw line. Uh, He's a great combo guard, 6'3 sophomore. He was with Rick Pitino at Iona and figured he'd take his talents down to Gainesville, join the Florida Gators, rounding out the top 10 there. Uh... I already mentioned Kirk He is an interesting prospect to me outside of the top ten. Uh, he he was kind of a dark spot for Arizona at some points this year, but he's a great passer. He can shoot when he needs to. Uh, I, he went to. He's going from Arizona to West Virginia. As I already said, him and Jesse Edwards teaming up is a very interesting, very interesting combo there. Before the uncommitted, before I talk about the uncommitted transfers, however, I want to take a look at the biggest winners of the transfer portal so far. And some people say the introduction of NIO. A few years ago made the transfer portal more relevant because a player can go a player can be playing really well at a team that's not doing well or doesn't have a chance to be in like a big market sec big 10 big 12 power 5 conference so they're not going to be seen by as many people the nio opportunities are not going to be as good they can play well there get recruited and i like i like the possibility of people going from it's happening a lot obviously i like the possibility of people going from really small schools that don't really have a chance to give them lot of money to these power five schools and i just i i appreciate moving of players in nio i don't think trans i don't think a transfer portal is ruining the game uh i think i think it's great for college basketball keeping up with all the player movements it's not seeming very monopolistic so far Like people won't just be paying. I think of Nico Yam Yamalieva, who's going to Tennessee this year, uh, know him well because he is coming to Tennessee this year from Knoxville. Anyway, I think about Nico. He got paid three, four, five million dollars to come play for U T. So that though that was one of the first announcements after relatively close to the NIO being allowed. I thought that's what it would be like for other sports, college basketball, but it's it's not seeming that way. Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, they're not paying transfers millions of dollars to come play for them and then they, they just get they just get the best transfer class. No, that's not what it's seeming so far. The athletes can get paid, but it just seems like they're doing what's best for them at this very moment in time and may become more monopolistic as as I've tried to, as I've tried to exemplify here, but I like, I like what it's doing. I like what it's doing for the game. Anyway, let's jump right in to the current top ten transfer portal rankings of teams. At one, we have West Virginia with two four stars, two three stars. Jesse Edwards, Carcrese are heading that group. That seems to be an impressive group so far. Maybe adding more. Bob Huggins knows what he's doing over there. The Mountaineers are gonna be. Dangerous next year. Maybe not dangerous, but at the very least interesting. And at 2, 247 has it as Arkansas, who is a slew of four star transfers, including Trem- Tremont Mark, Minifield, Jeremiah Davenport, Caleb Battle. And L Ellis, all of these transfers so far are crazy and they might not even be done yet. I know they're in the running for Hunter Dickinson. It's not looking like they 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 are in the running for Hunter Dickinson. And according to people close to the Hogs organization, the best is yet to come. So we'll we'll see about that. I find that a little out there a little fishy, considering the roster space is questionable at best. Although they do have a lot of people leaving this year for the draft. That team was so talented, yet underperformed. At three, 247 has NC State, headed by MJ Rice, a former five-star McDonald's All-American from Kansas, who somewhat underperformed this year. It's injured for some of the year. And Jaden Taylor, who also had Arkansas in his final two. It was between NC State and Arkansas. He chose Arkansas. He... Chose NC State. They are currently ranked number three. At number four, we have LSU. Huge signing class for LSU. Led by Jalen Clark from Tulane and Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright is a talented guard who was at Vanderbilt and did a little interconference transferring. Went from Vanderbilt to LSU. He's a great scorer, can fill it up when he wants to. A good shot maker, great defender. He's an all-around very solid player. And Will Baker, a center from Nevada is also coming in to LSU. They have the makings of a great... They're not done yet either. They have the makings of a great team next year. At least the beginning. Beginnings of it. At five, we have Syracuse. They've got uh, J.J. Starling from Notre Dame, Chance Westry from Auburn. Two huge upside players. If they pan out, Syracuse is going to be very dangerous in Jim Beheim's first year not coaching. At six we have Kalel Ware. At six we have Indiana led by Kalel Ware. They're gonna be they're gonna be interesting. They're gonna be extremely interesting next year. At seven we have TCU. That class is led by Jameer Nelson Jr. from Delaware. At eight we have Houston with the addition of LJ Cryer, who is heading that class, that transfer class. Nine is Virginia who, Virginia's, Virginia's a, Virginia's an interesting situation. They ha, they brought in a, Andrew Rode from St. Th- Thomas and Jordan Miner from Merrimack. Those are the two four-star transfers that they brought in. Both smaller colleges, and we'll see how it pans out. Tony Bennett has a history of losing in the first round, so it might not matter anyway. They are terrible. loss to Furman beginning of this year, beginning of the tournament this year. What I think of the UMBC loss, but now they're not the only one seed to lose to a 16 seed. Purdue saved them there. Rounding up the top 10, we have Ed Cooley's Georgetown Hoyas. Uh, he's He's getting them right over there. He's bringing in transfers who were coming to Providence, bringing them into Georgetown. People from Providence are moving over to Georgetown. And he's he's getting them right over there. He's a great coach. He just ran into a Kentucky team that was playing really well. And Kentucky would have beat Kansas State had Antonio Reeves and Jacob Toppin showed up to that game. I believe they should have gone farther. In the tournament than that, Kyle Parry always has so much talent. So much talent, but consistently blows it except for when he had Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was one of the best college basketball players ever, so it would have been honestly impressive if he blew that one. But they've got a... they've The prospect of Kentucky's team next year, it's they're bringing in a bunch of five stars as per usual. This is a great segue into our top uncommitted transfers because at number one we have Hunter Dickinson who according to On3 has a 42% chance of going to Kentucky which is his top school currently. Kansas is coming in second at 38.7. I'm not saying this is right but there is a lot of drama around Hunter Dickinson. It is announced he will be on a multiple day. It was announced earlier today he will be on a multiple day visit to Kentucky very soon. So there's a lot of drama surrounding surrounding that Hunter Dickinson the, the prospect of Hunter Dickinson and Oscar Sheway being on the same court for the same team is honestly pretty scary for anybody else in the SEC but I am a firm believer that he will go back to the DMV Maryland Georgetown where he's from uh Maryland hired one of his high school coaches onto the on the coaching staff actually so that may be an incentive for him only time will tell he's being very he's not he's not he's not giving us anything he's People, the Kentucky fans think he's going to Kentucky, Maryland fans think he's going to Maryland, the group thinks he's going to Kansas, I we'll see. As I said, Arkansas is in the mix, there were a few teams that contacted um, Hunter through Zoom, Arkansas was one of those teams, but he is going on a visit to Kentucky. At number two, we have Max Acemas, a absolutely fill-it-up scorer from Oral Roberts who captured the hearts of a lot of basketball fans in the 2021 tournament, first tournament back from COVID, where Oral Roberts advanced very far in the tournament. Elite 8, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he was back this year, and they got destroyed by Duke in the first round. It was a highly, highly anticipated upset potential, but when people expect an upset, it's not going to happen that way usually. He is a five-star transfer, and right now, on three is giving him a 52.7% chance to go to Texas and a 46.1% chance to go to Kansas State. So he will probably end up at Texas, but we haven't, obviously, no confirmation of that. Great scorer, great three-point shooter. That would be a good addition to Texas and Rodney Terry's first full year as a head coach. At number three, Harrison Ingram. Uh, transfer from stanford he has an almost a 100 chance of going to unc according to on three he's a 6 7 forward who averaged 11 6 and 4 on underwhelming shooting splits especially at the f- free throw line sub 60 percent from there but you can obviously see the upside he was a four star coming out of high school didn't have bad numbers 11, 6, and especially 4 from the small forward position. He looks to be able to fill up the stat sheet. There's a reason he's highly rated, and a lot of schools are wanting him, especially uh, blue bloods like North Carolina and Kansas. At 4, we have Aaron Estrada. I apologize. I'm not completely sure that's how you pronounce his name. Nonetheless, he has the highest chance of going to Alabama. 20 points a game, 5 rebounds, 4 assists on 48% from the field, 37% from 3 and 81 from the free throw line. As I said, it's looking like Alabama. The transfer out of Hofstra is a 6-3 he'd be a grad transfer. 6-3 grad transfer shooting guard. Uh, this would be a great pickup for the Tide after the after most of their talented young team is leaving. I think of Clowney, Brandon Miller, those were two integral guys on that team, but if, they, if the Tide can pick up Estrada that'd be a great pickup for them obviously at number five we have Taryn Armstrong from the NBA Global Academy in Australia he is he'd be coming in with the eligibility of a sophomore six foot six point guard he has the highest chance to go to Gonzaga currently and they need a true point guard they're bringing in a good class with Dusty Stromer hitting it Taryn Armstrong would be a great fit at Gonzaga six foot six point guard weighing in at 190 uh tall point guards are hard to compete with i think of anthony black 67 this year from arkansas he averaged like 13 5 and 5 around there they're hard to contain they get to the rim they can just see over the defense especially if they're great playmakers they're really really dangerous Outside of the top five, there are some interesting prospects, including Andrew Nimhard, who is most likely going to Arizona. I'm going to go join the Wildcats over there. And another interesting prospect I highlighted was Olivier Camois from Tennessee. This transfer was unforeseen at best, and... He brings what he's going to bring to his next program. He's going to bring supreme athleticism, streaky offensive production against Texas this year. he, He had he had 25 plus points against both Texas and Duke in the second round. He was the one of the only reasons the volunteers won that game. So I found I found that interesting that he was going to transfer out. But it takes a special kind of player to play for Rick Barnes for multiple seasons. Like Santiago Vescovi, he's coming back to Tennessee for his fifth and final season with the COVID year eligibility. He, you got to play great defense and shoot well. And most of the time, the Vols, some of the time, the Vols don't really shoot that well. So, I, I personally, I thought that Kamwa transferring from UT was interesting. We've still yet to hear from Josiah Jordan-James if he's coming back. That would rocket Tennessee up in the rankings for all of you that are into way too early top 25 rankings and things of that nature. But we need to move on from the transfers and highlight the notables that left for the NBA. Uh, I just want to put this out there. This episode is mostly just getting a baseline. It's why it's a bunch of lists. It's just getting a baseline for starting the podcast. We're going to do updates whenever things actually happen, like Hunter Dickinson commits to Kentucky or whatever, or Estrada commits to Alabama. We're going to have episodes dedicated to more than that. But this one is just more of a list episode. I appreciate if, you're, if you guys are still listening. At this very moment. A lot of lists. But uh, we're uh as I said, we're just getting the baseline out there. So we're going to start with the notables that left for the NBA draft. I've put them into two categories. Non-surprises and those that are testing the draft waters. And maybe coming back to play for another season or more. Depending on how they, de- how they perform in that season. So some of the non-surprises I put down. Amari Bailey. Big guard. Highly touted NBA prospect. Was a five-star coming out of high school. Uh, Anthony Black. Huge point guard projected top 10 pick. Uh, Noah Clowney really played himself into this conversation. Uh, at the beginning of the year, people were not projecting him in the draft or not high in the draft. And he's he's surprised us so I don't he shouldn't really be in the non surprises category looking at it from a preseason standpoint but he showed he showed us what he could do he can step out hit the three he can play defense with his long wingspan he can catch lobs dunk mid-range anything you want he's him and Brandon Miller were an, almost an unbeatable duo especially in the SEC uh Grady Dick Keontae George Jordan Hawkins Taylor Hendricks of UCF Gigi Jackson Derek Lively all people that all, all athletes that we Knew it would leave, go to the draft after their first year. Uh Jarish Walker, Cam Woodmore, Dariq Whitehead. Case Wallace Case. Kaysen Wallace played himself into this conversation as well, along with Brandon Miller. At the beginning of the year, Brandon Miller was projected, however, he was not projected where he is now. He's now projected in many mock drafts to be the first college player taken off the board after Scoot Henderson and Victor Wimbanyama, of course. And those testing the draft waters include uh, some of the more interesting names I put down. Adem Bona, Charles Bediaco, uh, Broom from Auburn, Shiboy, which is extremely important... In the decision of Hunter Dickinson. Uh, if Sheboy, if it's seeming more likely that is going to get drafted, more likely he's going to be gone, that'll bring Hunter Dickinson in. And even if he, even if Sheboy is coming back, I think that would also bring Hunter Dickinson in. But that's extremely important just for the Kentucky organization, him coming back for his third year at Kentucky. Averaging like 16 and 16 both years. Uh, Zach Eady just recently announced that he will be testing the NBA draft waters, along with uh, Tyrese Hunter from Texas, Jordan Walsh, and Devo Davis from Arkansas. Zach Eady is extremely interesting and important in the hopes of Purdue for next season. They are returning almost everybody. They had a lot of freshmen who played valuable minutes and could it could make a lot of things happen next year if Edie comes back, but I'll get to them with my Way Too Early top 10 for next year that I am about to go over. I made this earlier after reading a lot of- after. Uh, so yeah, let's jump right into the- I'm only doing Way Too Early top 10 right now, uh, but anyway- jump right into it uh we have at number one duke i love duke at number one filipowski returning along with mark mitchell returning roach is probably coming back being a small guard who doesn't shoot very well doesn't shoot percentages percentage well from the field uh so filipowski mitchell roach along with a top recruiting class as always jared mccain comes to my mind uh, they obviously they're gonna be they're gonna be the preseason number one. I don't know who else is topping them. Two most people that I've seen have Marquette, but I personally like Creighton, especially if Kalkbrenner comes back and uh, transferred. They got from Utah State Stephen Ashworth. Ashworth got 17 a game on a Utah State team. The U- Ashworth also sh- also shoots 45 plus percent from th- the three point line, which is they might be better off with him than they were Nimhard. Nimhard was a good facilitator, but not a very consistent score especially it's unclear at this time if kulk Brenner will be coming back but if he does come back i love this team do not think they're too high too baylor shireman did announce that he is coming back he is amazing insane shot maker could use a little more consistency, but I wouldn't complain if I was a Creighton fan. And I've got them at number two. At number three, I have Marquette. Couldn't ignore them for long. Uh, they got the Big East Player of the Year and Tyler Kolick back. Most and also most, not if not all of their starting lineup and main contributors back. And Shaka Smart. Um, he's going to have them ready for a deep tournament run this coming year, I believe. They had a good year last year and two seed in the tournament. and It's only going to be up from here. At number four, I have Michigan State with Tyson Walker announcing he's coming back and Izzo at the helm. They've got, and Malik Hall coming back. They have a lot of important pieces returning, and they're going to be dangerous. Good coaching usually wins you basketball games. I've been very high on Izzo this episode, but he's he's obviously one of the greatest coaches of all time. And Tyson Walker coming back is huge. At number five, I have Houston. LJ Cryer coming is a big piece for Houston. They also got Damian Dunn, a great score transfer from Temple, who was tearing up the AAC with Caleb Battle last year. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's got to like this team he's looking at. they got some recruits coming in, highly touted recruits coming in. They've got LJ Cryer, as I've already said, but I like them at five. Then at six, we've got FAU. I couldn't ignore them either for much longer. They have, from a team that went 35-4 and last year, they lost four games. They lost four games and won 35 of them. Uh, Dusty May really likes, really likes where this team is at. They are returning their whole starting five, only losing their sixth man, assuming there are no late transfers. As I already said, Forrest, he has to leave. He used up all his eligibility. He's He's gone. But they do have their whole starting five back. Dusty May, after the championship game, when people were asking about next year, he was all he was saying was they were going to be ready, but they were also going to miss Forrest. So we're going to see how it goes. Uh, I 10,000% believe they should be in the top ten. Number six might even be a little low. But anyway, we have at seven, I put Arkansas, mainly because of the transferring class coming in. They also have two five-star. Leighton Blocker and Bayfall their ceiling is extremely high this Arkansas team Ellis Minifield Mark Davenport battle the five that they brought in so far and they might not even be done as I said earlier must always just reloads the team uh, he's best in the nation at the transfer portal year after year. It's why they've bu- it's why they've been to three Sweet Sixteens and keep putting out NBA talent with the transfers that they bring in. Also, Trevin Brazil returning, who averaged 11-6 in the games before he tore his ACO. And that does include the game where he—those averages do include the game where he tore his ACO, in which he had, like, zero points and two rebounds or something like that. So his averages should be a lot higher. He is an extremely dynamic player who they got in the transfer portal last year— from Missouri Devo Davis may be coming back Walsh may be coming back a lot of that roster is in limbo right now we'll see we'll see what happens there uh at number eight I have Purdue this this assumes that Edie returns however I like I like Purdue at eight they were again a lot of these teams are returning a lot of people I wouldn't put a team up here that's not returning a lot of people uh but Purdue is returning a lot of people If Zach Eady comes back, they'd be extremely dangerous. Pretty much the same team they had this year. And Matt Painter is a good regular season coach. I like them at eight. If Eady returns, and if he doesn't, I think they should still be top 25. However, definitely not this high. They had a lot of talented freshmen, Fletcher Lawyer, other guards last year. And they're going to mature and have to right the offseason wrongs. I'm sure Painter's already, (laughs) I think of the picture of the whiteboard that had a hole in it after their game. Uh, They're going to be fine for next year. At nine, I have Alabama, who lost a lot of talent, but also maybe getting a lot of talent back, and maybe getting a lot of talent through the transfer portal. Aaron Estrada, I believe, if he signed with Alabama, it would honestly, it would probably catapult them into the top five. It's going to be a lot of turnover for sure for Coach Nate Oates. We got Brandon Miller leaving, Clowney leaving, Sears and Bettyako are uh, testing the draft waters, but they will most likely come back. Uh, They're losing a lot of talent. Most of these rosters are in limbo. We just don't know with a lot of people who are testing draft waters, who's going to the draft, who's staying. And we won't know that for some time, but I've got Alabama at nine right now. I really think they move up to... At least 7 if Estrada signs. And at 10, I've got UConn. Some people have them higher, but I I just can't justify it with both Sunogo and Hawkins gone. Uh, However, like I was saying, they do have Calcaterra, Caraban, Klingon back next year, maybe Newton. They, again, the roster's in limbo. Uh, But too much is up in the air for them right now for me to put them any higher than 10, but I did have to do my due diligence and put them in here, give them their respect. They've also got a solid recruiting class that they're in of course but that's the top 10 for me at this current moment uh anyway that'll do it for the first episode uh the first off-season episode thank you for making it this far if you have thank you for listening we will be back soon sometime this week or next this is only the beginning thank you for listening